0: Life, Hope, and Truth presents The World to Come, What It Will Be Like Written and presented by Eric Jones Produced by The Church of God, A Worldwide Association Chapter 7 What Happens After the 1000 Years? We've explored scores of scriptures showing the wonderful conditions existing during the 1,000-year reign of Christ and his saints. During this time, the renewed world will flourish under perfect government, righteous law, a healed environment, and a spiritually transformed people. But that 1,000 years will eventually end. Then what? Then Satan will be temporarily released. In Revelation 20, verses 7 through 8, the Apostle John wrote, Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog. Satan's imprisonment will have been a major factor contributing to the wonderful conditions of the millennium. Removing his deceptive and rebellious influence will remove many of the temptations that lead people to sin but restraining him will not remove all sinful human nature from humanity or convert people to following God. It appears that while many people will live in the millennium and experience its blessings, not all will be converted and faithful believers. These people may modify their outward behavior to avoid punishment, but inwardly harbor hostility to God. If so, they will be tragically susceptible to Satan's deceptions when he is released. We may ask, how could anyone living under Jesus Christ's direct rule and seeing all the blessings it brings, choose to listen to and be deceived by Satan's reasoning? For the answer, we need to look no further than Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve also lived under God's direct rule in a perfect environment, yet they were still led astray. And the book of Exodus shows that most of the Israelites, only weeks removed from seeing God's many miracles, including their own personal deliverance through the Red Sea, fell victim to distorted reasoning and went back into idolatry. You can read about that in Exodus chapter 32. Simply put, having God's presence and seeing his miracles does not automatically convert someone or make him or her faithful. Because God knows this, he will allow this final test on humanity to determine who is and isn't truly committed to him. It's sad to say, but Satan will succeed in deceiving large numbers of people from all over the world and, according to Revelation 20 verses 8 through 9, gather them together to battle against Christ in Jerusalem. Through cunning and clever reasoning, he will not only delude them to reject Jesus Christ as king, but convince them that they can overthrow his government. Though many will follow Satan we hope they will represent only a small fraction of the entire population this attempted rebellion will end quickly before they are even able to attack jerusalem revelation 20 verse 9 fire came down from god out of heaven and devoured them satan and his demons will be captured again and eternally imprisoned in the blackness of darkness forever according to second peter 2 verse 17 never again able to deceive or harm anyone. Then, a second resurrection. After this disastrous rebellion is squelched, a period even more amazing than the millennium will begin with another resurrection that is called in Revelation 20 verse 5, the resurrection of the rest of the dead. This will be the billions of people who have lived throughout human history without knowing or being called by God, Nobody knows how many have lived throughout history, but some estimate the number at over 100 billion. Imagine all the people who lived and died throughout history without ever hearing the name of Jesus or seeing a Bible. Imagine all the babies and children who died prematurely, never having the chance to grow up. Imagine people you have known who died, people who were possibly very good in many ways but never really had a chance to know God the Father and Jesus Christ. This prophecy assures us they will all live again. Here's how John described this massive resurrection in Revelation 20 verse 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. This resurrection includes everyone, from the common and lowly to the powerful and wealthy. Jesus referred to this resurrection during his ministry and mentioned examples of Gentile nations from history that will be included in it, Matthew 11 verses 21 through 24 and Matthew 12 verses 41 through 42. In Ezekiel 37, the prophet Ezekiel described these people being resurrected to physical life. Verse 6, I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Although the people in this particular prophecy are identified as coming from the whole house of Israel, this event is representative of what God will do for all people. As for what will happen when these people are resurrected, John said that then two books will be opened to them, the books and the book of life, Revelation 20, verse 12. The books, in the Greek, biblion, represents the Bible, Opened means understanding is unlocked. The book of life signifies the opportunity for eternal life. In this time period, sometimes called the Great White Throne Judgment, based on verse 11, everyone who has ever lived and died without a real chance for salvation will be given a new physical life in order to have an opportunity to receive God's calling, understand His Word, and live by it. As God said, at this point they will, for the first time, know that I am the Lord and have the opportunity to receive God's Spirit. Ezekiel 37, verse 6 and verse 14. They will be able to see the stark contrast between the way the world was under Satan's sway and the way the world will have become under the rule of Jesus Christ. It will stand as a graphic lesson of how much better life is when we live by God's laws. The suffering of the past, contrasted with the peace of Christ's rule, will help people see that God's way is truly the best way to live. These billions of people will obviously need a place to live. Perhaps one of the biggest projects of the millennium will be building and preparing homes for them. Christ will assure the best possible environment so they can learn, live, and fulfill their God-given potential. According to 1 Timothy 2 verse 4, God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is the time and place where all men and women throughout human history will be given their first real chance to achieve their ultimate purpose. Whether they will choose to accept his truth and be saved will be up to them. Those who do will have their names inscribed in God's book of life. We hope and believe the vast majority will make the right choice and have their names written in that book, and ultimately live forever in God's eternal family. Regrettably, though, not everyone will make that choice. The last sad reality we must address is the fate of those who in their stubbornness will reject God and snub his calling. Revelation 20 verse 15, And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. It's truly tragic that some will choose the way of death instead of life but their end will be mercifully quick. They will be burned up in the lake of fire, gone for all eternity. They will experience the ultimate wage of sin, not some horrific everlasting burning torture, but sudden and permanent death. Romans 6 verse 23. After these people are destroyed, everyone remaining will be spirit-composed children of God. The family of God will be expanded to include, most likely, billions of new sons and daughters. Then all things become new. When no flesh and blood human beings remain, there will be no more need for the physical elements designed to sustain human life. The physical earth, as beautiful as it will be, will have fulfilled the purpose for which it was created. So Peter writes in 2 Peter 3 verse 11 through 12, all these things will be dissolved, the heavens will be dissolved being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. He then describes what will replace them in verse 13. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. The Apostle John saw a vision of this transition. Revelation 21 verses 1 through 2. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. New Jerusalem, the city where God the Father dwells, will descend from heaven and God the Father will reside for eternity with his firstborn son Jesus Christ and the sons and daughters of his family. At this point God the Father will be all in all, All will be in his family and subject to him. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 28. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 24 then reads, Then comes the end, when he, or Christ, delivers the kingdom of God to the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. Revelation chapters 21 and 22 describe the beauty and majesty of this coming new heaven and new earth under God the Father. What a glorious picture is painted in chapter 21, verses 3 through 4. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. The entire family of God will dwell together in love, God promising his children in Revelation 22 verse 5, they shall reign forever and ever. The Bible only hints about what God and his family will do for the rest of eternity. You can find some of those hints in Hebrews 2 verses 5 through 10 and Isaiah 9 verse 7. But we do know that God's nature is always to create, expand, and move forward. Perhaps he also gives us a slight hint of that in Revelation 21, verse 5. He who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. The best way to discover what will happen next is to be there and find out. Epilogue, A Vision of Hope We introduce this booklet by highlighting many of the problems our world faces and seeing how the solutions mankind has proposed and tried have all failed. Many recognize that something major needs to change, but are at a loss to figure out what can work. So our world remains an increasingly dangerous place, and people continue to face debilitating problems. This could lead us to despair and hopelessness. Perhaps that's why so many recent books and movies portray a dystopian vision of the future. An overall feeling that the world will continue to get worse and worse, not better, seems pervasive. And, the truth is, the short term is bleak. God's word tells us conditions for the majority will yet worsen, even bringing humanity to the edge of self-destruction. But. God be thanked, the light of his word also shines on a long-term, incredibly better picture. The message Jesus Christ brought, the gospel of the kingdom of God, assures us that he will return to this earth and establish his perfect government. Under the rule of his kingdom, a new world will rise from the rubble of the old. It will not just be new, it will be immensely better. As we have seen, the Bible's many prophecies about this new world of tomorrow provide us an incredibly positive and exciting vision of the future. This vision provides us with something we all need in these times, hope. What does this all mean for you? We sincerely hope that what we have explored, the many changes God promises our world will experience after Christ returns, will have a lasting, life-changing impact for you. Here are five action steps you can take. Number one, change your life in the same way the world will be changed. In chapter five, we explored many of the effects God's law will have on life when people finally begin to obey him. The 10 commandments combined with the power of God's spirit will transform the world into a safe and joyful place. You can experience that same transformation on a personal level today. By learning His truth, repenting, being baptized, receiving the Holy Spirit, and striving to obey all Ten Commandments, you can make your life better and prepare for God's kingdom. To learn more about the conversion process, download our free booklet, Change Your Life. Number 2. Be in the kingdom. We hope you've been inspired by the beautiful prophecies of the millennium. Those who respond to God today will have the amazing opportunity to be in God's kingdom as spirit beings. As members of God's family, they will lead and guide the physical human beings alive during the millennium. If you are being called by God now, your calling is to be in His kingdom. If you strive to seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, verse 33, and to lay hold on eternal life, 1 Timothy 6, verse 12, You can be a part of the solution to this world's problems and, as part of God's family, lead people into God's way of life. Number three, learn how to serve and lead today. God is preparing people today to serve and reign as kings and priests in his kingdom. God's qualification for leaders are not based on things like political skill, societal status, or a high IQ. The primary qualification he is looking for is spiritual character. You can develop that character by living according to the principles of God's Word today. Strive to live by the Ten Commandments now so you can teach them later. Learn the way of peace now so you can help others find it later. Overcome sin and evil in your life now so you can help others resist later. Become like Jesus Christ now so you can serve under Him later. Number four, continue learning about the kingdom of God and the millennium. Though we covered hundreds of scriptures in this booklet, there remains so much more to learn about this future time. We encourage you to continue studying the prophecies about the millennium. Take time to look up in your own Bible the scriptures quoted, read their context, and dig even more deeply to discover even more millennial prophecies. And number five, Build more hope in your life. If you read many of the Old Testament prophecies in context, you'll find that they were often given to Israel and Judah in their darkest hours. God warned them of punishment and captivity for their sins, but at the same time, He also inspired His prophets to deliver messages of hope. He wanted to assure them that despite the trouble they were facing, they had a long-term future and hope. Hope is such a powerful, necessary force in our lives. It keeps us moving forward when the world says to stop. It keeps us sane during insane times. And it motivates us to overcome instead of surrendering to the sin around us. The Apostle John wrote about the ultimate power that hope should have on our lives in 1 John 3, verse 3. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. We pray this booklet has helped strengthen your motivation to turn to God, to strive to live in the purity of His way of life, and to always, as Matthew 6, verse 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. If you would like to learn more about the many topics covered in this booklet, go to lifehopeandtruth.com to the Learning Center and download our free booklets, The Mystery of the Kingdom, God's purpose for you, discovering why you were born, God's 10 Commandments, from holidays to holy days, God's plan for you, how to understand prophecy, and finding hope in a hopeless world.